Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo. Thanks for checking out our radio show. We flip it into a podcast. We were down at Big 12 Media Days this week. And uh, please do us a big favor. It helps us a ton. This thing's growing fast because of you. Uh, Leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And as a token of my appreciation, I'll send you a Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail if you send me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much, guys. Enjoy the show. Well, Big 12 Media Days is in the books, and guess what that means? College football season is unofficially underway. Hey there, it's Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet Uh, Let's get right to it. It was a great couple of days. We had a ton of content on the website. If you haven't read everything we have going on um, on heartlandcollegesports.com, we had four of us down there, myself, Derek Duke, Matthew Postens, and Cameron Brock, all covering Big 12 Media Days Monday and Tuesday of this week in Dallas at Jerry World in Arlington. So uh, it was a great couple of days. Ton of video on our Twitter, on our Instagram, uh, Facebook page. So please go check it out. Uh, we had a ton of content we pumped out the last couple of days. Let's get what, to me, were the biggest storylines of the couple days. First off, Les Miles and the oddness of the press conference, the strange handling of Puka Williams and his one-game suspension, I cannot believe how awkward that was. I just can't. Les Miles gets up there on the podium, and and to his credit, to his credit, he got up there, and right off the bat, he goes, I know I have to address this, so I'm going to do it. He didn't wait for the questions to address it. He just addressed it. But it was uncomfortable. It was awkward. It was strange. He kept looking at his notepad. I could not get around it, and I could not understand it. But it was the approach he decided to take. I know that there's a uh, an issue that we must discuss, and so let me let me get to it, if if you will. Um, first of all, there is no proper way to put it. There is no violence. Violence will not be uh, accepted with women period. And uh, uh, action was taken immediately. We felt like um, a strong point was made, not only with Puka, but the team. The idea that for seven and a half months, he didn't have the opportunity to spend time with his with his team, go to the weight room, you know, just be a part. Um, Puka went through legal investigation with the legal community. Puka also had a uh, uh, proceedings that went through the conduct board at the university and um, he uh, basically understood very much that if he did not um, meet the criteria that the board asked that this would not last long and he really met every criteria that he could. Um, he's taken responsibility. He's been remorseful. The uh, he's 
learned from this experience, as has our team. We're, uh, we're thankful to have him back. And again, no violence against the woman is okay. So, Was that overly compelling to you? I mean, seriously, was it? He went about 10 seconds there where he lost his place in his notes or something. If you cannot speak, I'm sorry, but if you cannot speak, and I hate to be, you know, starting off Les Miles' tenure at KU like this because I'm rooting for the guy. I want KU football to be better. I want it to be uh, respectable. It's better for the conference. But the way this was handled was absolutely terrible. And why not wait? If this was going to be the plan, one-game suspension, why not just wait till after media days? Literally, announce it this morning at 8 a.m. So it's not even a topic. Just do that. It'll make everybody's life easier. So that was one of the main storylines, uh, unfortunately, that came out of media days uh, this week was the odd handling for Les Miles with the Puka Williams suspension for one game uh, stemming from the alleged domestic violence incident. And, yeah, unfortunately, Les didn't handle it great. But outside of that, he was engaging. Um, He was better in the breakout sessions, just so you know how this works. In the morning is what you see on TV, where the coaches get up there in front of the media, they pass around a microphone and ask questions. Then there's a lunch break because the media guys were all a bunch of pigs. Then you have a breakout session where each coach and each player the coach brings, he brings about three to four players, has a table and a desk, and you can go up to that player or coach as close as you can get and ask them questions one-on-one. Some coaches and players, more difficult to get to. Sam Ellinger, you can't touch him just because there's so many people around him. Um, Coaches are always difficult. Lincoln Riley, swamped. But just depends on the guy, the situation, the time of day, all these different things. But if you look at it and you look at media days and you say, okay, what are my storylines? The other storyline you have to look at is Mike Gundy. Now, we wrote about this on the website. Matthew Postens wrote about it. And Mike Gundy admitted that he made mistakes. Mike Gundy admitted that last year, his 14th year with the program, he may have gotten a little lackadaisical. I can give you a, a good illustration. I'll build a picture for you. I, I'm, I'm now currently raising my third child, and the first two have said multiple times, if we did what you allow him to do, we would have never made it through the night. And I think that's what happened to me last year in my 14th year. I let little things slide in practice and in meetings and just the overall concept. And as the head coach, my responsibility is to make sure that we do everything perfect all the time. And I didn't do a good job of that. And so um, the players uh, at times became undisciplined. As coaches, we became undisciplined. So we were an undisciplined organization. And that's why we played the way we did at times last year. I love the child-raising comparison there from Gundy because it's spot on. And he, hey, he admitted to that. You got to love when a coach just says, had an off year, let some things slip, not going to happen again. And you know what? When you're in your 15th year at a spot as a college football head coach, sometimes you just need that reset. You need that refresh. And if Oklahoma State can do that this year, if Spencer Sanders can be that quarterback with Tylen Wallace, with improved offensive line play, with Chuba Hubbard, and still getting pressure, Jim Knowles getting comfortable in the Big 12 on the defensive side of the ball, 
Uh, Oklahoma State could be that dark horse team to keep an eye on. It's very interesting stuff. All right, I'm going to say something. I'm not going to play audio from each team, uh, but I will say something, just give you my general thoughts on each team in the Big 12. We've done Kansas. We've done Oklahoma State. Um, I'll just do it, break it down in a daze. Also, on the first day, you had Matt Wells, the Texas Tech head coach. Matt Wells, to his credit, is not intimidated by this moment, by the fact that not only is he replacing a guy who was you know, beloved by Lubbock in Cliff Kingsbury, but that guy is now an NFL head coach with Kyler Murray as his quarterback. On top of that, he walks into an athletic department that has had a lot of success, notably, of course, Chris Beard and the Red Raiders basketball team and Tim Tadlock and the baseball team. But you know what I know. And this is just my hunch. If you're a Tech fan out there, you may be screaming that I'm way off base. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I think they would trade the basketball and the baseball success for football success. You're telling me a Tech fan wouldn't rather be within a play of winning the big, uh, the conference, not the conference championship, the national championship in football over basketball? Get him drunk. Ask him that question. Matt Wells has the pressure on him. It does not appear like he is feeling it. That's a good thing for him. That is a good thing for Texas Tech. And we're pulling for him. We're pulling for him. But it's not going to be easy. But I'm impressed with his maturity is the wrong word. But with him understanding what he's walking into and being okay with this situation that he is in. Gary Patterson um, is my favorite guy to talk to at Big 12 Media Days, bar none. I, Gary Patterson is as fun to talk to as it gets. And I wrote about it. Gary Patterson compared his golf game to his quarterback situation. He has a six-man quarterback race on his hands there at TCU. Six guys he's got competing for the quarterback job with the Horn Frogs. Now, he admitted he's got to get that down to three pretty quickly. Here's where I think this race goes, because he did not want to handicap it. His comparison was, I don't handicap my golf game. I don't play enough. I play from April to May. I'm not going to handicap my quarterback race. But, man, he's got a lot going on. And the four guys you really keep an eye on, Justin Rogers, who sat out last year knee injury from uh, 2017 when he was in high school. Max Duggan, who is a... Top 10 pro-style quarterback in the class of 2019. Enrolled early. Picked TC over Notre Dame, Georgia, and Penn State. And then you've got Mike Collins, who played some last year. Transferred from Penn. Decent player. And um, I'm forgetting, of course, Alex Delton. They transferred from Kansas State. Here's where I think this goes. Because I asked Gary Patterson one-on-one whether or not um, Duggan being a true freshman is something that he would hold against him. And he made it very clear the answer was no. He's like, no, these guys come in. They enroll early now. Uh, they're getting the system. They really aren't freshmen. I think Duggan ends up being one of the finalists. Alex Delton may be used in spot situations, but Alex Delton can't throw the ball like Sonny Cumbie wants him to, the offensive coordinator at TCU. I, I don't buy Alex Delton fitting the system. He may come in on you know third and short, but I don't think he's the answer at starter. If he is, I think things went really wrong. I think it comes down to true freshman Max Duggan or Mike Collins from Penn. Collins kind of the safe pick. He's played games in the Big 12. He's been in the system. Um, He's serviceable. Duggan is the upside guy. And when you look at what Brock Purdy did as a true freshman last year, 
Um, and you see what Alan Bowman did as a true freshman last year. Uh, Patterson should be looking at that and saying, why not me? Why not my guy? You know, top 10 pro-style quarterback in the country. This guy was a stud. And Justin Rogers, you know, Gary Patterson said his knee is at 90%, but I just don't know if he's ever going to be the guy that he was. I, I, I feel for him. I just don't know if he's ever going to be that explosive guy that he was, four-star prospect um, coming out of high school. That was an absolute stud. And then finally, uh, the fifth of five teams on the first day of Big 12 Media Days took the podium was Lincoln Riley. Now, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I worked in Oklahoma. I worked in Woodward. We're on there. I, uh, I, like, I like all Big 12 teams. People always say, who's your favorite Big 12 team? I don't have one. I root for the Big 12. I love the Big 12. I don't have one team I like more than others. There are people I like more than others, but not teams. But Lincoln Riley, he is just not an interesting soundbite. Now, I think he likes it that way, and Lincoln Riley is very smart. I think he wants it that way, but he's just not a great soundbite. He's not Bob Stoops, but I think Lincoln knows that. He's okay with that. But Lincoln Riley, what his point was and what he reiterated throughout the uh, press conference was, I care about defense. I am focused on defense. He does not want to simply be a great play caller. He wants to be a great head coach. And when you're OU and from 2015 to 2018, you go from first in scoring defense in the Big 12 to last in scoring defense in the Big 12, you got to try something new. So the pressure's on Riley and Alex Grinch because with this offense, this team should have won a national championship sometime in the past three years. They haven't because of the defense. Now, it doesn't mean you have to hold teams to 10 points a game. This is not the Big 10, all right? It's got to be about points per possession, which should matter in the Big 12. You got to get the number down. It's on Alex Grinch to get that done. And it's on Lincoln Riley, who's the head coach. He's in charge of the whole operation to get it done. And Riley made it very clear he's aware of that and he is paying attention to it. And I'll leave you with this. It ties OU and Oklahoma State together. The best quip of Big 12 Media Days came from Mike Gundy when he said this. Uh, Mike, Oklahoma's won the league four years in a row. Any particular reason for that, and is that good or bad for the league? Well, they've got good players. They've, they've got uh, the last couple years they've had, the last few years they've had average quarterback play, and they've overcome it. Uh, so they've been very successful. And, and, and so Great stuff from Mike Gundy. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. we got much more coming up next. Well, we continue recapping Big 12 Media Days here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is our Big 12 independent uh, media outlet. So we're going to get to every team in the Big 12 Conference that uh, appeared at Big 12 Media Days and talk about the top storylines for each team. Sometimes at Media Days, you know, it's not the on-field stuff that's most interesting or gets the most attention. That's just how it works, right? I mean... You have uh, media members and fans just begging for uh, something to talk about and write about. And that's why one of the best moments for me on day two was Tom Herman, the Texas head coach, talking about maybe bringing back Texas and Texas A&M. How about this? Coach, it's been since uh, 2011 since Texas has played Texas A&M. <laughs> Do you want to see this rivalry renewed? And if so, what needs to happen for this game to be played again? 
Well, I'd love to see the rivalry renewed. I, I think it's it's great for college football. It's great for Texas. Um, you know, there's plenty of other intrastate rivals that are in different conferences that find a way to play each other. Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, Iowa, Iowa State. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, and so um, the second part of your question, I don't know what needs to happen because I don't know what happened in 2011. I, don't, I, don't, I wasn't in those meetings. Um, but I, I do think uh, that, you know, if we, we've got some really smart people in, in both universities' administrations, we could find a way to, to make that game happen. And I think it, it'd be great for Texas fans. Uh, you know, we don't play a historic rival at home anymore, ever. Uh, we got to drive to Dallas to play our, our uh, lone remaining historic rival. He just couldn't say OU there, huh? <laughs> I don't know. I don't blame him one bit. It's uh, part of the rivalry there. Tom Herman uh, responding to whether or not he want to bring back the rivalry with A&M. He was a little nice there saying that they're smart people in both administrations. I- I'm not sure how many high IQs are in the A&M administration, but that's a story for another day. Here's who it's good for. Yes, the rivalry should come back between Texas and Texas A&M. And Herman went on to say, hey, I'd rather play A&M in our non-conference and know that that game is there than have to fly to, you know, Los Angeles to play USC on Pacific Coast time at night. I'd rather do that. And he's right. And you know who it's ultimately good for? It's good for the fans. Yes, it'd be good for the players, the families. They could drive two hours to a game. A uh, big non-conference game. It's good for them instead of having to fly to uh, USC or Florida or Michigan or whoever, wherever else. It's good for the fans. It's good for the sport. And I know that that's no longer number one. Fans are no longer number one in, in big-time uh, money-making sports in general. I get that. I'm not naive to it. But, man, just bring it back. Uh, Jimbo Fisher was asked this as well, apparently, at SEC Media Days. And he said, yes, if it's beneficial for Texas A&M. It's beneficial for the fans. All right, tell me why it wouldn't be beneficial for A&M. Because you might get your rear end kicked by the former team that you ran away from in the Big 12 because you had a massive chip on your shoulder about it. And you thought you'd go to the SEC and you'd have all this glory and instead you're the same mediocre program you were in the Big 12 despite the fact that you recruit really well. Same thing's happening for A&M. Just a different conference. So I'd like to see that back. Uh, no doubt in my mind. I think it should be back, and I hope it does come back. So keep an eye on that. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Taking a look back on Big 12 Media Days. We're going team by team, day by day, no specific order. Now, let me say this about a guy who uh, took the podium on day two. Neil Brown did not have a lot to say. Neil Brown was not the most interesting guy to take the podium. He wasn't. But I'll say this. It's not such a bad thing. It's not. He's been in the Big 12 before. He spent time at Texas Tech under Tommy Tuberville. Now he comes over after taking over Troy and winning 10 games in three straight seasons in the Sun Belt. A guy who got a lot of attention over this past offseason and now he looks at his job as saying, okay, bit of a rebuild, but I think if anybody can get this program over the hump, 
And I mean anybody that's not, you know, a Nick Saban, no one who's a top 10 coach, top 15 coach. Neil Brown is one of those guys. I mean, he has turned around programs. That's what he's done. And that's what you want, somebody who knows how to do that. I mean, the guy was at Troy in Alabama. He's not recruiting against Alabama and Auburn, but, I mean, they're in the same state. He's got some work on his hands working in the Sun Belt Conference like he did. So he gets it. And if he can bring a little bit of that flair that he did on the field, at least, to, from Troy to West Virginia, uh, this fan base is going to be behind him 110%. My only fear for Neil Brown is I think he's going to have success. It might not be this year, but I think Neil Brown's going to do a damn good job. I think that was a hell of a hire by Shane Lyons and the Mountaineers. My fear is keeping him, to be honest, because he was always a guy who was tabbed as somebody who was going to eventually end up in the SEC. That's what everybody assumed. SEC guy, he has ties there, coaching at Troy in Alabama. A lot of people thought that's where he was going to eventually end up. My fear is that he does end up there after only, you know, two, three, four seasons at West Virginia. I'd hate to see that because I think this guy can do really good things with the Mountaineers, and he's losing a lot of players from last year, big stars, but he does have 40 returning letter winners, but a lot of that talent is untested. So let's see. I'm excited. You should be excited as well if you're a Mountaineers fan. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Let's wrap it up next. Let's keep recapping Big 12 Media Days. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is the site. Your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. All right. uh, Matt Campbell and the Iowa State Cyclones pick third in the preseason polls. We have them second in the Heartland College Sports Poll. That means we think Iowa State's going to be playing for a Big 12 championship game this year. Here is what Matt Campbell had to say, and I talked to Joel Klatt about this. But here is what Matt Campbell had to say about his future, the NFL, whether or not that appeals to him. Here was his response at Media Days to that question. What do you see when you think about NFL coaching landscape? Well, Barry, I, 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 you know, my goal initially wasn't even to be a college head football coach. I, I always said my goal and dr- dream was to be like my father, who was a high school head football coach. And I'll be really honest with you. I never put a lot of thought into it. Um, I've always put my thought and effort into number one. My greatest passion is to develop and help young 18 to 22-year-old young men go from a young man to a chance to leave as a 22-year-old man. Um, I think that's one of my great passions and what I get to do every day. And just very humbled and grateful, to be honest with you, with the administration and a great athletic director and Jamie Pollard at Iowa State that they've done such a great job taking care of our staff and our coaching staff and continue to be able to build something really special at Iowa State. Great answer by Matt Campbell. I mean, that's the guy that obviously gets it, understands it. And uh, I think that Matt Campbell is better suited for the college game. You said right there, and he said it, one of his great passions is having an 18-year-old kid and building him into a man from 18 to 22. The NFL is not like that. The NFL is a business. The NFL is not helping kids mature into men. That's not part of the job. 27-year-olds, you know what? They're kids, they're kids. If they're men, they're men. If they're kids, you cut them, you move on to the next guy. It is a meat market. It is a business. I think Matt Campbell could be a really good NFL coach. I think he'd be a great coach at any level. 
But if I'm an Iowa State fan, my biggest fear with Matt Campbell would more be along the lines of that college job that he just can't pass up. I don't think it's a Florida. I don't think it's anywhere in the SEC or the Pac-12. I think it's a short list of Notre Dame or Ohio State if Ryan Day bombs out or Brian Kelly just moves on and burns out. Those are the two I'd really be uh, concerned about. Maybe Penn State. Maybe Penn State. If James Franklin goes to, say, USC, if they blow out Clay Helton, that's where I'd be concerned is classic Big Ten country with one of the all-time great programs. A Michigan, if Jim Harbaugh ever decides to leave. I know you'll say he's an Ohio kid. He's never going to Michigan. He's never going north. But those would be my concerns. But I think Matt Campbell is here. I think he's in Ames until the perfect opportunity comes up, if it ever does come up. I don't think he's Bill Snyder, 30 years, monuments all over the place. But he's here, and he's here for a while. And Iowa State fans have to thank their lucky stars every single day that they wake up that this guy is in charge of this program because it does not get any better. I mean, Matt Campbell, you can make a solid argument. Matt Campbell is a top 10 to 15 coach in America right now. Easily make that argument. A guy who's flying under the radar a little bit, Chris Kleiman. Um, and, and one thing I love about Chris Kleiman is he is not afraid of Bill Snyder's legacy. Matthew Postens wrote about this on our website after uh, Big 12 Media Days this week. This guy's got national championship rings. Yes, it's at the FCS level. But I talked to many coaches about this this week, and they're all like, it's the same game. Yeah, maybe your competition obviously is better, but you're better. And the coaches you're competing against, okay, they may be better as well. But goodness gracious, man, it's still football. And it's not like you're going D3 or high school to the Power 5 level. FCS, you win national titles. FCS teams sometimes beat FBS teams. And Chris Kleiman's not afraid of that. That's why Chris Kleiman was the best guy for this job. Bringing in a young hotshot like Seth Luttrell from North Texas or something like that was not going to cut it. You needed an estab- You needed a man, for lack of a better word. You needed a dude. And that is exactly what Chris Kleiman is. Comes in, little swag, national titles, knows how to recruit the area. Um, you know, comes from an under-recruited part of the country in Fargo, North Dakota, at North Dakota State. He's now at Kansas State. Perfect fit for the region. Uh, it's everything you would have asked for in a replacement for Bill Snyder. It's not Ron Prince, man. It's not Ron Prince. That doesn't mean I think Chris Kleiman's, you know, winning any Big 12 titles anytime soon. But you give this guy time. He's going to do it, and he's going to do it his way, and you have to respect the heck out of him for that. And that's what I uh, I think is great about a guy like Chris Kleiman and what he's going to do with this team. He's got the man crush going with Skylar Thompson. That's been evident for anybody that's paying attention. And it's a, uh, it's a good thing for that program because you know and I know that – Skylar Thompson did not exactly see eye-to-eye with the former coaching staff. So it's a good thing. I think Kansas State's in a good place. That doesn't mean they win nine games this year. If they get to a bowl game, Kansas State and the fan base should consider that a success this season, and you keep it building for 2020. Let Kleiman do his thing. He's recruited very well for the class of 2020. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic right now in Manhattan. One of the more intriguing teams this year in the Big 12, the Baylor Bears. Uh, Matt Rule goes from one win two years ago, his first year, seven wins this past season, 
If Baylor's the third best team in the Big 12, I'll be surprised because I didn't pick them third. I had a middle of the pack. But I won't be shocked. I will not be shocked. And a large part of that is because of what Matt Rule has built from a cultural standpoint. But Matt Rule was asked uh, what has to be in place for this team to take that next step. And here's what he had to say at media days. For us to take the next step as a team, we have to get better on defense. And that really starts with not giving up so many big plays. And also, we were last in the conference last year at taking the ball away. So we've got to become more of an impact defense taking the ball away. And um, I think it starts with our players. You know, there's a lot of guys that have played a lot of football. And they were out there, probably some of them playing before they were ready. But now they're ready. You know, we've been together for three years. We know what to expect. We know the league. And... Um, whether it's James Lynch or Clay Johnston or Chris Miller or James Lockhart or Bravion Roy, those guys are battle-tested. Now we have to go out and play at an elite level. And Rule's right. I mean, this team uh, has an opportunity to take that next step. Keep an eye on James Lockhart. I'm intrigued by him. You know, he came over from A&M, uh, was an All-American guy there, Didn't play, was an All-American guy in high school, I should say. He was a consistent contributor last year, but he hasn't had the career that a lot of people thought he would have. Let's just call it like it is. Former four-star recruit, everything else. He might be a guy that, yes, Baylor fans know, but if you want someone that might finish top five in the league in sacks and tackles for loss this year that comes out of nowhere, it could be James Lockhart, senior season. If he ever wants a chance to play at the next level, he's going to have to have a big year. Uh, if it's not now, it's never going to happen. It's never going to take place. So James Lockhart might be a guy to keep an eye on there because people are going to be focused on Lynch, uh, on that defensive line, going to be focused on Clay Johnson, Bravion Roy. Maybe Lockhart comes out of nowhere and shocks some people. But I'm intrigued. I'm very excited to see what this Baylor Bears team is going to be all about. And their game in late September against Iowa State, uh, that is the most underrated game of the year in the Big 12 Conference, no doubt in my mind. We'll learn a lot about those two teams trying to compete at the top of the Big 12. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week. Appreciate you joining us. Please, if you can, leave that rating, review, subscribe, and we'll send you the koozie in the mail if you just leave us that rating and review and then email me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. Have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.